Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. I am Peyton Guthrie. Uh, joined this week uh, on our free episode, uh, it's hitting your, uh, your your feeds, uh, with Alan Kenny. Uh, Matt is able to make it through to some Thunder stuff. Uh, Alan, how you doing, man? How's it going on? Uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing well, man. You know, uh, we are, I, I guess, what, tomorrow is February 1st, right? So we are definitely in the full swing uh, of 2023. And uh, <laughs> it only took, uh, you know, I think most most conferences or a lot of them had their uh, conference schedules out maybe a year ago or so. <laughs> it only took <laughs> yeah. until right now for the Big 12 to get its act together and get its out. But uh, now we got something to look forward to for the fall for uh, Oklahoma football. Yeah, and we have something uh, to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, like man, like manna from heaven, <laughs> something drops into our laps here. Uh, I mean, right now in Oklahoma, we're suffering a, a pretty uh, hard freeze. Uh, it's kind of tough over there. What's it like on uh, over on y'all's side? Is it? Uh, have y'all been? Um, I don't know. Is it cold as shit over there too? <laughs> no, I mean yeah, it's it's chilly, you know, but. Uh... Yeah, East Coast, a uh, lot of stories about how there has yet to be really any type of measurable uh, snowfall in most of the major uh, metropolitan areas. So, um, you know, like global warming and everything, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Knock on wood there. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, OU's uh, schedule. Yeah, I mean, it, it's taken it. I don't think you can really knock them too hard about the whole year thing because you get oh, OU Texas leaving, other guys coming in, yeah. you got to figure all that out. There's but a lot, still, yeah, a lot of moving parts, yeah. Still, <laughs> it took a little too long to get this stuff figured out. Uh, some of the rumors do seem to be, uh, I mean, it's right in front of me, completely true. Uh, OU is com- locked out of the state of Texas beyond just the uh, annual uh, game at the Dallas State Fair, uh, going to a lot of the, playing most of the newbies. Who did they miss out on? Houston. Houston. Uh, and then really kind of getting, I think I tweeted it out, just as bland of a mayonnaise schedule as possible. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. it, there's not much that kind of drives uh, my personal you know, heart rate on there. I mean, just, just at a glance at it, then we'll try to take a deeper dive on this. What do you think about this schedule you know, for OU? And, and maybe if you see some other things on the Big 12. Yeah, you know, I wrote about this for uh, Crimson and Cream Machine um, about uh, just, just quick kind of uh, quick hitters on OU's predicament or schedule here. Um, you know, I think you mentioned, as you mentioned, it's very bland. I, I pity the uh, ticket office or anybody who's in charge of trying to sell this, <laughs> sell these packages, uh, because, I mean, the marquee home game is what, maybe TCU on Black Friday? Uh, that I mean, seems to be the one. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, looking at it here, I, I mean, well, we've got like uh smu would be one i guess maybe you know iowa state uh ucf west virginia and tcu uh i mean i don't know that's not exactly the kind of thing that uh, dream ticket packages are made out of so um but you know i think that looking at it too obviously you know we talked on our on last week's episode about ou not having any games potentially in texas we thought that that would would never wouldn't come to pass but <laughs> nope all no. the rumors uh were true really you know that was one of the funny things too is that i've seen some version of this schedule uh floating online for like a month now so <laughs> you know it's uh 
there weren't a whole lot of mysteries here uh and it's yeah it's just kind of a uh, kind of a swift kick in the ass on what seems to be OU's uh way out of the Big 12 yeah that that party is kind of obviously <clears throat> it does seem they they I, I guess they said hey let's just dust off this old Big 12 North <laughs> Big 12 South schedule yeah. and, and kind of shuffles things around that way I guess it's how I guess it's how you know the cookie the cookie crumbles to a certain degree on there, uh, but just looking at it, you know, just just completely removing home in the ways and stuff, it seems to be a pretty nav, you know, uh, whatever I'm trying to say. Oh, you should be able to handle this schedule. Um, I don't want to say fees or anything, but it seems something that's very manageable for OU. I mean, they get they get to dodge Kansas State, who I think is going to be good again. They get TCU at the end of the year, which either TCU will have accepted the bad badness or they'll be have rounded into form after losing all the players. Maybe they've rounded into another team. Um, you know, the, the, the chaos Oklahoma state, uh, Kansas defense, I don't know if it can be repaired, uh, that quickly. Uh, I mean, the only real stuff that seems to be the hard navigation part potentially is the Iowa state, uh, Texas duo kind of smack dab right before the, the buy. It's, it's basically, get to the bye and then that second half of the season, it should be in OU's hands at that point in time. I mean, what do you see on it? I know you're tweeting some stuff about, oh, OU's getting to play these following teams as they coming off buys or they're coming off some home stuff and after OU's been on the road a couple of weeks in a row. Uh, how do you see this, this, this uh, schedule draw for OU? Do you think it's a positive, negative, or, hey, it's a schedule, who cares? Um, I mean <laughs> – for the most part, when you look at just at the teams, you know, I think it does set up actually pretty well, like you mentioned. Um, obviously, Kansas State missing them. But also, I mean, you know, Baylor and Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Texas Tech last year looked like a program that was uh, certainly on the ascendancy. And uh, Baylor, I mean, with Dave Aranda, always going to be a tough, uh, tough out there. And on top of that, uh, OU would have been traveling to Waco if the schedule rotation was kept in place. So missing those two seems to work in OU's favor outside of the recruiting issues. Um, you know what the but the nuances here. I mean, I'm looking at looking at weeks three and four. OU travels to Tulsa, then travels mm -hmm. to Cincinnati. Now that's not in and of itself really that big of a, I mean, you know, Tulsa is just a couple hours up the road from Norman, right? So that's not a long road trip by any stretch, but still playing two road games back-to-back -back weeks, that's never easy. And one of them is in a brand new place where I'm sure I'm, that's Cincinnati's first Big 12 game, right? I'm sure that the uh, Bearcats will be fired up for that one. Um, yes. And then, uh, uh, you know, later on in the season, Oh, he's got again got back to back road trips going first to Kansas and then going to OSU. Um, and in both cases here, these are the you know second leg of back to back home games for the teams that OU's playing. Um, so for example, uh, OSU the week before they play OU, they host OU, they host Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, again, they'll been that's two weeks in a row that they're at home. Uh, I don't think I don't think OU has two weeks in a row of home games in conference at all. Nope, doesn't doesn't come up that way. Um, and then you know, kind of lastly, looking here, uh, keep in mind too. Let's see here on the last two weeks of the season, OU travels to BYU. Yeah. And that's a super long road trip, and then hosts TCU on short rest. TCU hosts Baylor and then travels to OU on short rest. So. I mean, you know, those kinds of uh, those kinds of breaks just did not work out for OU, uh, and not not surprisingly. Yeah, not surprisingly. Uh, I'm seeing here that Pitt gets a chance to play Cincinnati and West Virginia, so good on them. There'll be there'll be some early uh, correlation points or Big Twelve uh, <laughs> power rankings potentially. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can try to you can see. I don't know how this all shook out, but I mean, like to even just looking at Houston's schedule. Yeah, they yeah they have to go to Kansas State uh, and UCF, but other than that, they don't leave the state of Texas. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, th there's some stuff there. There's a couple of schedules here that seem to be pretty good if the teams or or themselves uh, can manage it. You know, Iowa State always playing the Iowa game uh, pretty early, uh, but that that seems to be the hard part on there. 
And also, they didn't seem to do all that great by some of the teams that are staying. I mean, the Oklahoma State schedule in and of itself does not seem to be the greatest thing, um, you know, for them. Of course, they get both Kansas State, both Kansas State and Kansas at home, and then Cincinnati and Oklahoma at home. Uh, but they too only have one road trip into into Texas. I mean, that that seems kind of strange as well that both Oklahoma schools were uh, basically frozen out of uh, Texas beyond just one game. Um, you know, Oklahoma State uh, heading to Houston uh, on that part of it. How how petty of it? <laughs> how petty do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously they were, but Oklahoma and, and Texas. Now I haven't checked the Twitter feed recently. Just retweeted. Didn't put out a graphic. Didn't put out a thing. <laughs> just retweeted the yeah. Big Twelve conference thing. Thing you can yeah. tell these administrations are not excited uh, or, or pleased by this uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, even though, like, I don't know, Texas doesn't seem like they got screwed over too bad. Uh, oh, well, yeah, except look at the end of the season for Texas. They, that is true. They have, they have back-to-back road games at, at TCU. Then they got to go to Iowa State and then host, it's similar to OU, then they're hosting Texas Tech on Black Friday. So you, there you've got two road games in a row and then a uh, short rest hosting you know so and texas tech i'm assuming yeah and tech look texas tech is at home mm-hmm. the week before they go to uh they go to texas there to finish the uh season out on black friday uh, you know short rest that, that seems like it's an advantage to me um so again i, I you know uh, the big 12 office didn't do didn't do you in texas any favors here and that's not a surprise yeah a game that i'm looking at the game that's that um that's being tweeted about Dylan Gabriel getting a chance to play UCF. Uh, but now looking at that little stretch of schedule, it does seem like in the pen, again, this depends on where Kansas is, where they are one year wonder was the back half of that season more, you know, a representative than the first half of that season, but they get Kansas a bye week and then Oklahoma. Uh, now those are, you know, a road game, come back for a bye, then a road game, but you get the bye right before Oklahoma that may, and, you know, OU is obviously coming off of, thereby as well but having played texas before instead of kansas before you know that game may become a little more interesting uh in a in, a, in and of itself uh is there anything else that kind of sticks out are there any like clear clear winners in your mind like i said you've wrote about it do you have any clear winners uh beyond just you know oklahoma being screwed over potentially uh, are there any clear winners of these teams uh that you see um no i mean nothing nothing really that stands out to me um you know, I, I, I've got to think, I mean, the clear winners to me are the new, new teams in the sense that like adding these yeah. kinds of schools and, and this kind of schedule to your slate instead of what they have been playing has got to be a major plus. And I mean, even when you take OU and Texas off the rotation, uh, still going to be, a, you know, an, a, an upgrade for a lot of these programs, uh, you know, UCF for Houston, uh, Cincinnati, BYU. I mean, now they are going to be, you know, playing more a more steady diet of uh, of big games every week. Yeah, I truly thought they would have cycled Texas and Oklahoma and, and tried their very best to get them to play every one of the new teams, <laughs> you know, just yeah. for that very reason. You know, OU plays three of the four. Uh, Texas plays two of the four. Uh, I'm assuming Texas just being Texas. I mean, they had to play all the rest of the Texas teams to a certain degree. Uh, but mm-hmm. man, the the one that kind of seems like a slog in my mind is basically what I'm going to call uh, uh, Neil Brown's final season at West Virginia. Uh, yeah. It's not an easy schedule to start, and it's not an no. easy schedule to end uh, for them. Yeah, uh, it seems like they. It, it's kind of like when you when you're you're doing something like this, and then you go to the end of it, and you're like, okay, who else do we have? Oh fuck, okay, West Virginia. All yeah. the rest of the teams you haven't thought about it. Uh, that's not a good schedule for for them opening uh, at Penn State, uh, then hosting Pitt, then hosting Texas Tech, TCU, whatever that team is going to be, and then right back into it with uh, you know potentially the meet of the conference at the end of the season BYU, OU, Cincinnati, and uh, Baylor. That's not going to be a good for his uh, future outlooks as uh, staying as the head coach of West Virginia. Yeah, well, and and resuming that uh, backyard brawl with Pitt, I mean that makes it tough because you know they're picking up game a game with penn state now you know so two of your three non-con games i mean are pit and penn state uh i mean good night man and i think that's at penn state or maybe it's a neutral site but either way that's just i mean 
that's a tough, tough road. And then, you know, you look at, at their road road games, Baylor, OU, UCF, and Houston on a Thursday night and TCU. I mean, that's just that's rough. Uh some of these uh logos are still man's from from the uh the new schools because you obviously they played mm-hmm. a lower level of competition and then so their cupcakes are a little bit lower level of competition it, it, <laughs> yeah. it's been a stretch yeah. kind of like who is this who are they playing you yeah. know cincinnati is pit in maryland and um eku so i mean they at least have a respectable one but uh i mean man is it, some of this stuff is, is kind of rough but baylor was that san jose sharks i think it's like some like single as soon as, as, as they say are the spartans or yeah <laughs> it's like a little so it's like, a little, like this, is that it's a little blue and yellow utah? shark yeah it's utah let's see it uh, yeah so let's see here so i'll look up baylor's i've got baylor's right right now baylor this year has uh 2023 baylor football schedule uh texas state uh, that's for yeah liu that's uh long island long island uh, sorry university yeah i think long island played Madness. west virginia last year and lost like 80 to nothing or something like that <laughs> so i mean you know what you in there and they host utah next year so mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean guys i mean write to us keel uh, at keel sports at gmail.com what you guys think about it or join us on the the patreon uh patreon.com slash through the keyhole what do you guys think about the uh, the uh, Big Twelve uh, schedule? And I don't know it, it, the, all the hand wringing around it and everything. I, I know what Yormick, uh, if I'm saying that right, is trying to do of making it young and hip and cooler or whatever the phrase is uh, <laughs> for the Big Twelve. Uh, trying to make everything have its own day. So you know maybe there wasn't some malfeasance or nefarious actions going on. It was more of we want to get this away from all the other announcements to make this a big deal. But if it's a big deal, then why drop it at Tuesday at 1 p.m.? <laughs> so uh, it, it just seems strange. Uh, it seems almost borderline like an afterthought uh, to a certain degree. But the one thing is, I, I because of this merger, I do follow a decent amount of people from who cover some of the new schools. And you're right. There's just a ton of excitement, <laughs> a ton of excitement yeah. from, from the new four. Um, and then the rest of us are kind of like, OK, this again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and but that's the thing, especially for OU. I mean, they are going to need to be ready because uh, you mentioned that that enthusiasm. I mean, like I said, home uh, Cincinnati's uh, Big Twelve openers OU. You know, uh, fourth week of the season. That's one. I mean, we just got to strap it up, man. Like that's these these programs are are proud programs, and they're going to be I mean, gunning for uh, a lot of these teams. Talking about strapping it up and needing to uh, hold it down for the rest of the season. OU basketball may have just saved their tournament chances by nuking Alabama <laughs> out of the, out of the gym, uh, ninety three to sixty nine. Uh, uh, Sheffield getting thirty points, uh, Hill getting twenty six, Tanner Groves getting fourteen, uh, his little brother getting zero. Congratulations on that for uh, running some wind sprints. Seems you've gotten one rebound and two personal fouls. Uh, uh, <laughs> did you? I, I think when we talked about this, I had zero, zero confidence that OU basketball was able to win this game other beyond. And then on top of that, completely run Alabama out of the gym. Uh, what was it like? Because uh, I think I saw you live tweeting it. I went back and watched some stuff afterwards. Did this team feel like, I mean, what, was it just they weren't missing? Or did this team feel like finally we're not playing another Big 12 team? Jesus Christ, it's this is a, a lot easier chance now. Yeah, I mean, it felt to me a lot like the latter. Um, you know, but you know, coming into the, the day, I think, I think this game off, went off with Alabama as like a six-point favorite, mm-hmm. and uh, to me, that's that was screaming right there, like something's up. And I think what you, what you ended up really seeing with this Big Twelve SEC challenge was that, uh, you know, the bottom of the SEC is really bad, and. Uh, you know, so and so some of the uh, teams at the top have been inflated a little bit by playing kind of subpar competition. Um, and what we also saw is that teams at the bottom of the Big 12 have gotten beat up on by teams like, you know, Texas and Kansas and yeah. the teams that are really, really highly regarded. You know, you look at some of the advanced metrics and it's just I mean, it's just it's off the charts when it comes to OU. I think what you saw was that 
I mean, OU played kind of a grown-ups game. You know what I mean? Like OU's got old dudes uh, all up and down the roster. Guys like Sherfield, guys like Tanner Groves. Uh, Alabama just doesn't. Um, you know, their their best player, Brandon Miller, I believe, is a freshman. Um, and, and it's a it's a good team with a lot of athleticism, but like it was just a kind of a matter of OU playing a, a smarter, kind of more patient game. And uh Alabama really just kind of I mean, I think after a while, they just realized that they were that this was not going to be their day. You know yeah. what I mean? And so that second half was kind of watching the tide kind of play out the string. Yeah, I mean, Alabama finishes shooting basically 38% from the field and uh, OU shooting basically 58% from the field, uh, 70% from the yeah. three-point line, Alabama sub 30%. Now I'm assuming most of those shots for Alabama, they took 22 threes, they made six of them. I'm assuming a lot of that was in the second half, just trying to do yeah. something to kind of get back. OU only shot 13 threes, made nine of them. They didn't have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if the twos are falling and, you know, the, the you know, too closer to the basket shots are working, like I said, if, if it's a truly the old man style game, uh, then yeah, it really doesn't matter. Keep, just keep pounding the rock uh, like that. Yeah. I mean, and like OU plays at such a slow tempo and Bama doesn't. And, you know, teams like that tend to get frustrated when, uh, especially, I mean, OU was shooting the ball so well that, you know, they were using up the clock and shooting well. I mean, it's just for a team like Alabama that likes to get in transition, that is uh, kind of a, that's just a death knell. Who's that team? Uh, man, I, I suck at college basketball. Is it Virginia that does that? That's like basically like we're going to score 30 points. <laughs> but you're going to score 28. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Virginia is definitely one of the uh, true. I wouldn't say they're like a murder ball team in the sense of like, like you like you watch West Virginia and they press yes. and foul a ton. Like Virginia is not like that. Virginia is more, their offense is very methodical. And uh, you know, they play, they play a defense that really emphasizes um, kind of protecting the middle of the floor and not, not allowing a lot of penetration. And so, you know, they force kind of a lot of bad shots. Uh, speaking of bad shots, um, it doesn't seem whatever whatever shot that uh, uh, man that I had I had I had to transition. It was really really bad. <laughs> but uh, it, it does seem like Mahomes' ankle was good enough to get us past Cincinnati. Uh, man, now we're, we've got a Super Bowl kind of set with uh, not kind of set. It is set. Uh, the Sooners are well represented. Six players, I believe, uh, fully. In, and no other team can can claim any of these six players. All of them went to OU. <laughs> period. There is nothing else you can say about it. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, versus the Kansas City uh, Chiefs. How did you do on that one? How did you do on the uh, two championship games? Uh, Bengals, Chiefs, uh, 49ers, uh, Eagles. Um, very, very well. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you know, Thank was, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I ended up, I ended up doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I think the thing, I think the main key takeaway there was, uh, Joe Burrow can't do it. I don't know. There, there was a nah. lot of stuff where people <laughs> like Joe can't do it by himself. I'm like, well, I mean, he does have a really lot of offensive talent. Uh, but yeah, on the other God, side, of I mean, it, what more does he want? Yeah. yeah. Uh, an offensive line would probably be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, could you have yeah, a full yeah. team? What are you going to do? Uh, but yeah. I know a lot of people were blaming the uh, the, the Texas defender uh, who plays for the who plays for the Bengals for taking that late hit and at the end of the game, um, uh, yeah, hitting Mahomes kind of outside of the bounds. Um, do you think that one? I mean, obviously that one play gets magnified, but do you think that one play was an outsized impact on the game, or was just the trend of the game was already moving so far into the Chiefs' uh, direction that um, it could have been a regular tackle? Oh, I mean, I, 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 I loathe, loathe complain about these kinds of situations because the truth is that like in the course of any game, uh, you know, really no one play means necessarily more than, or, or every event kind of influences the next one. Right. Like yes. there were opportunities that, that, the there are opportunities that, uh, the Bengals had early to uh, put points on the board and ended up taking field goals in the red zone. I mean, those are the kinds of things where, you know, th- that's on you. That's not, that has nothing to do with uh, a penalty late in the game. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty, bla- uh, pretty obvious penalty. I mean, you know, I, I felt bad for Osai because he played 
an extraordinary game up to that point. I mean, he played so well. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, like, even if they don't throw that flag for 15 extra yards, what, I mean, Kansas City still has the ball with about 13 seconds, right? So mm-hmm. they might have enough time to run two more plays to still get in, in even better field goal range. So, I mean, to me, that part of it, like, is kind of whatever. I mean, you, you know, who's to say that they wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have, you know, worked their way there anyway. Um, the big takeaway for me is, you know, we give, we always, always as, as important as a position as quarterback is. Yeah. Um, we always give quarterbacks way too much credit when teams win and t- they take way too much blame when they lose. And as, uh, as Spencer Hall and uh, Holly Anderson wrote up in their uh, newsletter, on Monday, you know, I think the one notable exception to that is Pat Mahomes. Uh, he yeah. is a singular talent uh, that can elevate a team in ways that I have. Ne- I don't recall. I mean, like you know, maybe like John Elway way back in the day, or you Oof. know, but but I mean, Mahomes is just a different different kind of animal. Like I, I've never seen anything like him at the quarterback position in the NFL. Yeah, I will say that. Thank you for for mentioning that. My old uh, the Denver Broncos had some rough news uh, today, in my personal yeah. opinion. Uh, hiring Sean Payton. Sean Payton should be a fine court, uh, fine uh, coach, but man, getting spurned by uh, Ryan's like multiple times, getting turned down by Harbaugh yeah. multiple times. It's not a good look. Uh, but anyway, let's give up more draft capital. Oh, we're already strapped on that. Uh, Young John Elway, I mean, there's some people who, because John Elway didn't have like the greatest stats uh, in, in his era. I mean, you know, you, you can look at Dan Marino, like mm-hmm. all the all the yards and everything. And, and John, uh, I don't, you know, wasn't like a hundred percent MVP calendar MVP, you know, candidate type of guy because of that. But if you just, I mean, you have to look at the context of the team that was put around him and his ability to elevate basically everything around that and the other superhuman effort he had done to get the uh, get the Broncos to all those Super Bowls and to to lose by 70 <laughs> but it was just him yeah. and like you know the rest of the of the rest of the stuff but those I think that is a pretty apt comparison I mean you can see a lot of John Elway in Mahomes that it does suck <laughs> because it's you're looking at like a reincarnation of John Elway, but in a Chiefs uniform, uh, so so that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, even just some of the, some of the way they move and the arm angles, and this is yeah. like it's a flick of a wrist and it's eighty yards. It's just it, it does seem to be completely, completely, uh, I just insane. And and even then, I think there was maybe some small meat of media narrative of of thinking, well he's starting to wane. He's coming down off the insane peaks. You know, he's, he's been a little bit banged up the last two years, but guess what? He's right back in it, right back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, it, it's, yeah, it's been and, an insane five-year run. Yeah, you know, and you saw, it's such a it's such a stupid hot take thing with like the, oh, has Joe Burrow surpassed Pat Mahomes and, and what, I mean, it's a total, you know, the kind of thing you see on first take or, you know, the, the crap that Skip Bayless does. Like, I don't know. I don't need, didn't need to see this game this weekend to know what a freak Pat Mahomes is and continues to be. But the fact that he did this after, you know, taking that injury and man, I mean, it's not like the, I mean, the chiefs roster has been, you know, has been, look at the guys who are out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Valdez, Valdez, Scandling, Scantling, right. Juju Smith, Schuster. I mean, these aren't guys who have really thrived in other places and a lot of them were hurt. Kels was hurt going in Kelsey part was hurt going into this game. You know, their backs are Jarek McKinnon and Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, uh, it's just, you know, Reed, Andy Reed obviously deserves, you know, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of credit for how they, you know, evolved and, and shaped their offense around Mahomes. But the fact that you've got him just enables you to do so many different things that just, and take chances and do things that other teams just can't do. I mean, to me, it's a lot like watching LeBron James in the sense of he was able to play the game in a different way than just about anybody I'd ever seen before physically versus matching that up with his skills. Mahomes is very much the same. Yeah. I mean, 
we'll start talking about clutch genes and stuff pretty soon if we keep talking about Skip Bayless and first yeah. take and LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Ugh. But but to give you a slight counter a counter take on your thing about the quarterbacks, uh, you know, praise too much and uh, giving too much ear uh, ire when they lose. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers would have loved to have to have had a warm body. Uh, uh, at at quarterback uh, in there to have a chance. And that's something that makes me want to point again. uh, I hate, I hate looking back at it, but looking at the Red River shootout this past year, OU loses 49 to zero. There's just no quarterback. And then you see on the NFL when it's like, these are professional guys and there's just no, that there was just there. The 49ers were just completely toothless. I mean, the Eagles, you can kind of look at their box score and think, man, they didn't really play a good game, but, there was just no reason to do anything. I mean, the game, the moment that elbow injury happened, the game was over. I mean, there was just no chance for anything to have happened. There's no chance. I mean, you, there's no reason to put anything on tape. There was no reason to, you know, try to injure anybody yeah. or get somebody injured uh, in a game that got extremely, I don't know how much you watched that game. Uh, Trent Williams uh, losing his mind for a quick second, got extremely chippy all the way through uh, towards yeah, the end. Yeah. You can tell there's some, major major frustrations on the 49ers part thinking damn it this was supposed to, yeah th- we had it <laughs> just right there and it's gone yeah. uh do, do you think this uh I, i'll give i'll give you a first take type of a thing but i think it's somewhat valid because sometimes that uh it, it's good because the eagles are now in the super bowl <laughs> so that's obviously the good part uh will they have been quote unquote tested enough now having the giants and the 49ers minus a quarterback uh, to walk into there. Is that anything that you would think, hey, I'm an Eagles fan. I need to think about, hey, we kind of waltzed through this. Uh, and now even the Eagles are, according to what I'm looking at here, are one and a half point favorite over the Chiefs at this point in time. Uh, well, like, for example, I mean, if you're, uh, okay, well, we should, I think we can all agree. I don't think the NFC was as good of a conference. As no, the AFC not at all. Year. So, like, like this is kind of, I mean, no matter what, this is what, you know, the, this was kind of going to be the case that I think whoever came out of the NFC, you could make this the same case. Uh, I mean, I thought the Giants were a tougher test for them than the Vikings. I thought the Vikings were as, as fraudulent of a, a team as there were in the, uh, as there was in the playoffs, any um, team QB by Kirk Cousins is just yeah, a complete yeah. fraud. There's just right. zero chance, right? But I mean, with Niners, you know, like the we we're 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 very bad in our minds. I think of considering like the potential alternate realities and timelines and futures or, or worlds that we could have lived in, right? Where like let's say there's there's a i mean look we all watch brock purdy we mm-hmm. of all people watch brock purdy at, at iowa state and you know he played very well in that stretch of what seven games for the 49ers very well no no taking anything away from that but we've also seen those just mystifying mistakes that he made uh you know in, in really bad bad moments <laughs> when he was at iowa state and I'm sorry, I don't believe that, you know, in a few months, they would have worked that that would have all like he wouldn't have, you know, potentially uh, blown up on the 49ers, right? <laughs> in the, that kind of situation. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't think I'd have that those same kinds of concerns. I mean, like, I look at the 49ers, and I look at their roster top to bottom. And to me, like it is an extraordinarily well-constructed roster with so much talent everywhere. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those situations where, you know, a quarterback like Purdy can kind of come in there and have a lot yeah. of success again, because he has so much around him. Yeah. That's the point. I mean, that's something I was thinking about too, was, Oh man, a lot of people were thinking, man, they lost Purdy if they hadn't lost Purdy because he had played those seven games, uh, you know, well, I mean, obviously he had, he had deserved where he was, mm-hmm. deserved the, you know, deserved the credit he had been given, but he was still the third guy. I mean, it's like that—that's right. like, that's the point. It's like, man, that's the point where I look at Kyle Shanahan and what they've done there. It's like this thing kept humming. All I mean, I don't think there's there's not. I will say that there is not any other team that could have been down to their third quarterback and still got to the point to where they are. Um, you know, it sucks they had to go down to their fourth quarterback, and that finally broke it. But 
you know, most of these teams, they lose a starter, it's over. It's season's done. Like, yeah. Pack it up. You know, because like even look yeah. up the Dallas Cowboys did. I mean, Cooper Rush, I was what he did is just like Herculean <laughs> as, as a backup mm-hmm. yeah. at, to to keep them to keep them on track. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can see there is that you know, hey, I don't know the Eagles' defense. Let's look, let's talk a little bit about the actual Super Bowl itself. Um, I think something that kind of, I think the most recent Super Bowl would be a recent Chiefs Super Bowl. This is, seems to me. I'm making quarterback comparisons uh, for this comparison, but this seems to me uh, like it could be a chance of being Chiefs, Tampa Bay, uh, kind of similar vibes. You've got a more complete team on one side, better defensive line, better defense, maybe not better defense, but a defense that can potentially try to hassle him enough uh, with an offense on the other side that is more than capable, and they've shown it, to be able to score 30-plus points on somebody while also uh, trying to ground you into dust as, as fast and as efficient as possible. That could cause the Chiefs to go into more risk-taking mode, one in which they can be in and operate well in, uh, but that's why they're called risk-takers. I mean, it doesn't always work out. Uh, how do you – I mean, how do you see these teams? Is there, is there a comp that you can kind of see uh, that maybe would influence if you were to have some Monopoly money laying around or something like that mm-hmm. that would make you think about, uh, think about the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, one uh... – pretty obvious truth too about these playoffs i mean like jalen hurts didn't have to do a whole lot throwing the ball and no. these games to win no. and you know if i'm an eagles fan uh, you know again i watched hurts at ou and i think he has done a miraculous job of developing into an nfl quarterback and you know i mean an mvp type candidate quarterback which is crazy but i mean the Chiefs, you've got to feel like, can will put them in situations where he'll have to throw, um, and he'll have to beat them with his arm. I would think, right? And if that's the case, uh, you know, I mean, that's gonna that's a taller order for him, in my opinion. Um, and you know, looking back, I mean, you know, it, it does kind of remind me. You're right; it reminds me of the Tampa Bay uh, Super Bowl with versus the Chiefs in the sense that. You know, Tampa Bay did so much up front and really just, you know, pounded Mahomes all game. Um, but he's going to be working with a different offensive line this time, one that's not, you know, so banged up like he was that year, like or like they were that year. Um, so, you know, I, the idea of, of, you know, the Chiefs getting points here to me is kind of kind of wild. Um, I keep hoping that it's going to get up to like a field goal or something like that. That would be that would be very nice. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't I don't really have like a pick on the game. It looks like a really, really tight one to me. But, um, uh, you know, I, I just I kind of lean towards KC right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the old adages may not work out. Uh, in in Philadelphia's favor of you know run game travels defense travels, <laughs> you know that's we've mm-hmm. seen it in the past. Some of the high flying offenses not quite showing up the way that they should be. Uh, the moment timing gets knocked off or something along those lines, uh, but I don't think you can look at the Chiefs and say, oh, that's a timing based offense. I mean, it's it's if it's you know it's timing until. Mahomes needs it not to be. <laughs> and then he can find mm-hmm. somebody open and throw someone open pretty much on any play at that point in time. Uh, it, obviously, I don't know. It, it seems like it's, it, to me, it's a pick em. I don't think I would do anything other than that because you have such yeah. a singular force on one side and the other side you have the more you know, complete team who can potentially right. share that load. Uh, but, I mean, it's not like, you know, you still got Kelsey, uh, you know, you still got some guys, mm-hmm. but it is purely, can he, is, is this the... Uh, you know, Cleveland, uh, LeBron team, uh, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it, can he yeah. drag them, lead them in every category, uh, to a championship? Uh, I think this would, this type of test, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, but Mahomes is already uh, a first ballot hall of famer at this point in time, unless there's some sort of a cutoff yeah. about the amount of games you've played. Um, but man, if he, if he pulls this off, you're starting to look at obviously historical rankings of being like, okay, he probably doesn't slide slide past three <laughs> best quarterbacks yeah. of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. at already just five years into his career. Um, again, 
in, in a career that should be 15 plus years it's quarterbacks and how they're protected. So that means the chiefs are going to be good for a long ass time, which sucks as a Broncos yeah. fan, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, you know, let's what? ride I, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh God. Oh, going this next year. Uh, that, that kind yeah. of situation with Russell Wilson, I feel for you guys, man. But you know, like one of the things that's real interesting to me about the Eagles and like, I'm not an NFL expert. Hell most, a lot of Sundays I'm off doing something else. Like, not watching right but i mean you know jalen hurts i think we all looked at him coming out of oklahoma and said you know i mean this is a guy i mean there was no question about like kind of the about the drive and the work ethic that he had you know what i yeah. mean uh, in terms yeah. of how he would how he would approach being an nfl quarterback but i mean the skill set just nobody really thought it was there and he's done a very good job of developing as a more in a lot of ways as a more traditional quarterback, but it's really interesting because to me, Philadelphia is a lot like the 49ers in the sense that they have so many dudes all over the field. And so, you know, you kind of start thinking about that and it's an interesting kind of model to me with Hertz because really, I mean, they're playing, he's still on his rookie contract, right? So I, yeah, I, mean, I believe so. Paying him next to nothing. Yeah. So like, if you start thinking about it, if you're the NFL and, and, you know, I, I kind of threw this out there about how in the NFL about that, like NFL offenses are more willing to go with the running kind of what they would, what you, you know, kind of write off as a college style offense more recently. And, you know, I, it seems like the conventional kind of wisdom around that is like, Oh, well teams like, NFL guys understand more. They understand the value of ha- of playing 11 on 11 football. You know, they understand how it stresses defenses. And like, I, I guess I could see that, but that just seems so silly to me because it's not like people, like the option's been around for, since football started, right? Like the idea that of bringing a quarterback into the running game, like the potential benefits have never, are, I mean, that's no secret. It's been, been around forever. And what we're, I think that a lot of what we, saw with the nfl uh is that you know these guys you had to make such a big investment in your quarterback in the beginning that you didn't you were afraid to i mean like the idea of of, you know maybe only getting a couple years out of him just you know really just didn't fly but now like a guy like hurts i mean i feel bad but think about it i mean philly can can run him into the ground on that rookie deal and then make a decision if they think like he's, if he's still, you know, got, got enough uh, left in the tank to, you know, extend or sign to a bigger deal. But if not, you know, let him go. And then they find another cheap guy <laughs> in the in the draft, you know? Yeah. That's something I remember being a, a talking point, even, even way back. It's not that far back, but uh, Robert Griffin in DC. Some, there were some talking points of that way too, of being like, Hey, you could kind of grind some of these option-based quarterbacks who are one-read guys who can run. You could just draft another one in the second round every year, <laughs> I mean, to a certain degree, and just yeah. kind of keep keep that system going while removing some of the importance of that until one of them hits, you know, until you find a Jalen Hurts, until you find a Lamar, a Lamar Jackson to where you want to invest more around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, the thing that the Eagles did to me – and. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why teams do this and the people they drafted and all that type of stuff. I mean, you've got a running quarterback. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the, the MO on, on Jalen hurts from the, you know, Twitter sphere and all that type of stuff. You say, okay, he's maybe not the most historically or, you know, uh, whatever I'm trying to say, accurate type of quarterback. It's like, cool. We'll get him Devonte Smith and AJ Brown. doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> they're going to be open that, by five yeah, to 10 exactly. yards. So who cares? I mean, yeah. they, they, he's yeah. set up to succeed in such a way I mean, it, it truly doesn't matter. I mean, he throws to two guys. I mean, A.J. Brown, uh, 145 targets. Devontae Smith, 136 targets. Uh, both of them over 1,000 yards each. And then you got the Dallas, the, quarter, uh, the tight end, getting 700 yards mm-hmm. himself. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's, hey, I see Grant Calcaterra there. Look at that. Nine catches. Uh, five catches, yeah. 81 yards. Uh, Trey Sermon apparently was on the team at one point in time yeah. <laughs> as well. Uh, it, it, it's The team is built... I don't know. It, it it seems like certain teams figure this out and the rest of the league takes a little bit longer to figure it out. I mean, 
San Francisco when they had a uh, uh, Colin. Uh, I can't even can't remember his last name. Uh, Kaepernick, you know, yeah. Kaepernick. They said, "Hey, we're just going to build the offensive iron on what he can do." And then all of a sudden, right. they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Russell yeah. uh, again, Wilson. The Seattle said, "Hey, we just decided to do what he can do," and all of a sudden they're in the, going to multiple Super Bowls and winning Super Bowl. Uh, same thing for the you know Baltimore uh, Ravens and now the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you draft these guys and they're great in college. And it's like, well, why can't they be great in the NFL? What was working for them there, and is it you know can it be done? Do we need to step back and stop trying to put people? No, because not everyone's John Elway. <laughs> can we put them in other mm-hmm. ways to succeed? Uh, and man, it is it's causing so much stress it's causing so much you know anxiety for classical defensive structures and stuff uh, I, I don't know did did you get a chance to see the thing with uh man I, i'm not in the mood i'm not in the right headspace today uh the famous seattle cornerback richard sherman where he's talking about yeah. kyle shanahan kind of breaking their their defense uh you know he's he's putting oh, no, a stack on one it, side yeah. yeah he's saying like hey we had this assignment door. If they put two wide receivers on the left, we did this, but Shanahan realized that put two on their left and then put Kittle, uh, whoever the, uh, I guess, yeah, Kittle on the left as well. And then that mean Kittle was just free up the seam. It's like, yeah, he just sees your structures and just breaks them. It it's it, offense is such a head start on this stuff. Having another runner yeah. and playing 11 on 11 instead of being handicapped that way. Uh, it, it seems, uh, I don't know, borderline, I don't know. It seems like maybe the days of uh, the Brady type of quarterback were just standing yeah. back there. This is probably it to a certain degree. I mean, unless you can find yeah. another Aaron Rodgers or another Tom Brady. I don't know how often those don't grow off the things. <laughs> but you can find more. I mean, look at a, I guess maybe CJ Stroud's the next like stand still and throw the football type of guy. But more of these dudes are coming out there being more option based, being more zone read based, being more RPO based. Um, to where teams are going to have to develop in this way. I mean, you know who's – I hate to say this. You know who's superb at, at you know, those conflicts that you mentioned, the Shanahan uh, is so good with it. I mean, Lincoln Riley was a no. master with them. You know? Fantastic. It's, uh, yeah, like, I mean, you know, using the defense's rules against the – I mean, uh, but, yeah, I mean, in, in like, if you think, like, all the stuff is big now, man – and next year when Caleb Williams is coming out, I mean, yes, I, you know, you got to think that teams are looking at what the Eagles are doing right now. And a guy like a guy like him who can throw, you know, a, you know, in multiples times better than, uh, you know, Hertz and has similar mobility, you know, teams are going to, I've got to think teams will be tanking left and right to get him this year. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the nefarious, the very, very bad nefarious version of my brain is thinking the Texans have hired this coach to tank super hard just to get rid of him after one year. It's like, yeah. they're going, they did it again. Why do they keep getting away with it? Um, but I, I mean, I will say, I mean, obviously the one difference between Hertz and the rest of these running type of quarterbacks is that Hertz is obviously built like a tank uh, and, and the rest of them are yeah. a little slider yeah. oh, absolutely. build, uh, obviously yeah. across no, the board absolutely. there. Um, so we've ran into the end of our talking points uh, for the show. Uh, Alan, have we missed anything, anything pop on your uh, timeline to think about or talk about before we uh, wrap it up? No, not really. You know, you read about stuff like, oh, you just had a junior day, and I'm sure that there were a lot of, like, impressive All great. and everything like that. But God, but God, that kind of stuff is just so boring to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, whatever, man. It's I don't think there's ever, I don't think there's a bad junior day. <laughs> <laughs> in oh, the history never. of junior yeah. tests. They're all great. Never. Everyone it doesn't matter. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the the one thing I did see on on uh again on Twitter talking about some recruiting stuff when people were saying like um where all the collection of five stars were going. Uh and it's something that caught me completely off guard was that of the power five conferences, the team the conference with the least amount of uh, five stars going to it is the Big Ten. And that blew my mind. It had one. And that one was Ohio right, State. Yeah. And I was like, that scene, I just assumed. I <laughs> just like, and then you know, look at uh, recruiting stuff. It's like Michigan is recruiting on the same exact level as TCU now. It's uh, mm. not something I saw coming. I, I don't know. I thought I had to typo. I was like, well, maybe he wrote something wrong. <laughs> and I had to double check. And it's not uh, not looking good for that conference. 
as they cash every single check. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw that too. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it starts to make sense when you think, I mean, like right now, what what teams in that league are going to be pulling in five-star type guys? I mean, there's one, really. One. <laughs> I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, Michigan, even Michigan, if you start. If you and historically, they history, don't do that. Lately, yeah. yeah exactly like i mean so you're telling me that like the other who are the best teams in the west like purdue wisconsin illinois they're not going to be i mean that that's they're not going to be recruiting five-star kids like it's uh usc i I don't know yeah (laughs) well yeah there you go absolutely but you know that's kind of why i'm always like when people talk about how good the big 10 is like i i agree they're they're a lot stronger than a conference like the big 12 um teams are in, in the trenches but like the the amount of talent there just to me just seems to be kind of just overrated really yeah i mean uh, in, in the trenches that's where things can get kind of weird because you're, you're talking about dudes who are six six and you know 295 yeah. pounds you can get a you can get a collection of three star of those dudes and they're going to mature and who knows what's going to happen to a certain degree yeah. but as you saw at the michigan game i think they were fine on the lines they just couldn't keep up a Michigan TCU yeah. game. They just couldn't keep up on the edges. And that's the time where that type of talent, you just got to have, or, or at least have that yeah. speed. Uh, but that's something that was, I mean, it, obviously it's a power two league. It's a power two system fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in reality, it may very quickly be a power one system yeah. uh, with Ohio state and uh, USC uh, peeking over the wall every once in a while. Yeah. It kind of seems way it's trending to me. Well, guys, that's everything for us. Uh, if you will please support uh, Vanessa House, uh, they're open on a snow day, keeping everything open, allowing people to come out and visit, uh, have fun. I don't know how wise it is to <laughs> uh, partake and then go drive <laughs> on the icy roads, but they're there for you if you needed it, you need to get out of the house. Uh, we've got some uh, other exciting news uh, coming down the, down the line, which you'll hear some stuff in the uh, midway pretty soon. Uh, but for myself and for Alan and for Matt, who couldn't join us, Uh, Thank you, guys. Thanks, as always. And Boomer! You're supposed to...